In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember a time you found yourself in a new situation wondering what would happen next. Maybe some things come to mind. Maybe it was a job or moving to a different location or Maybe it was, sadly, a conflict or a sudden stress. Maybe it was a new relationship or a new friendship or an opportunity that seemed like a great next step, but you didn't know. And maybe, maybe as you remember it now, you're thinking, wow, that turned out great. Or you're thinking, wow, I would never do that again. We know that life is full of such new situations and we navigate them the best we can based on previous experiences, previous new situations. We gain experience and then we move forward into these new situations. And experiences can be painful or delightful, um, but they build on each other. They take us through these new situations and sometimes they take us to face our Goliaths. My mom tells me she always wanted six kids. She got one. And she also tells me she got all six kids in me. I, uh, based on my memories, uh, unfortunately, and the stories that she tells me of things I don't remember, she said that I needed to experience everything myself, no matter how many times she tried to tell me what would happen, I had to do it myself. That meant, imagine, figuring out how to turn the lamp on, not by the switch, but by the plug, and plugging it in and out and in and out. Now, there's a problem when you're one and a half, two years old, and you've been sucking on your thumb, something called water and electricity. And I learned the hard way as I wound halfway across the room on my very diapered butt. <laughs> I got shocked and I had a big welt on my thumb. I never did that again, but I learned the power of electricity. Or the time that my mom was cooking with an onion and that onion just looks so amazing sitting on the counter. And I reached for it and she said, no, you, you won't like the taste of it. It needs to be cooked. But like Eve in the garden, I looked at it and I thought, oh, it is, it is surely beautiful and tasty to eat. Surely she is wrong. And I reached up and I grabbed it off the counter and I took a huge bite out of a raw onion. And she still tells me to this day, the look on my face was utter shock. And to this day, I really don't like onions. Now, more seriously, it also can be, for me, fast forward to leaving my church of 20 years and all my friends in Seattle and moving to this place called Dubuque, Iowa, seven years ago. Was it easy? No. There were lots of tears Am I doing the right thing? Yes, I know this is the call of God, but I needed to call on all of my resources of past experiences, how to build new friendships, how to start a new job, how to find a new church, how to live a new life here. 
not there. And now, today, seven years later, being so grateful, like I could not even imagine all of the things that have happened, you all, in these seven years. And now, even next Sunday, yay, taking my priestly vows and embarking in a whole new way of being in relationship with God and God's church and in ministry and the world, both exciting and a little scary. David is our young adult in our story today, and he is just starting out. He is the seventh son of Jesse of Bethlehem. Yes, that Bethlehem. He's the great grandson of Ruth. And if you want to look her up, there's a whole book dedicated to her in the Old Testament where she faced her own new and scary situation and even kind of her own Goliath. In the chapter that we're reading today, just before it, David has just had an incredible new experience. I don't even think he's had a chance to process it yet. Called in from tending sheep. Samuel, the prophet, anoints him as the next king of Israel. And he's thinking, wait, I thought King Saul was our king. Well, no, you're going to be king. And with that anointing, David receives Holy, God's Holy Spirit. And I can still think he was wondering, I am just a shepherd. How can I be a king? I am just a shepherd. How can I be a king? We know, too, something else about David. We know that he authored 75 of the Psalms. At least 75 of them are attributed to him, half the book of Psalms. And when I read the Psalms, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I hear David's experiences, painful and delightful, gathered into prayer and providing the foundation of how he lived his life in relationship with God, a foundation that follows him, even in later life when he sins in a big way, there's still that foundation in him going to God in prayer and taking all of his life with him, all of his experiences. Now, in our reading today, so wonderfully read by Beth, David is sent to the front lines of a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. And it's not to fight. It's to bring some food and to check on his brothers who are in the army. And not unlike other stories we've heard recently, this battle is not just political. It's also theological. The champion of the Philistines, Goliath, comes for 40 days, 40 days, period of trial and testing, And he taunts the Israelites, demeaning them and demeaning God, and implies that his God, Dagon, is better and stronger. Goliath demands a champion to come forward to battle him. Covered from head to foot in armor, and I'll I'll give you some equivalents of the measurements, 10 feet tall, and he has a shield bearer standing with him. Goliath is a terrifying sight, and the Israelites are terrified. But when David enters into this situation, this new situation, a battle line with a terrifying champion, he sees it differently. 
First, he sees the situation as someone who loves God and loves his people. And he's appalled at the abuse Goliath is hurling at the Israelites and God. God's uh, Goliath's taunts are personal. David is appalled that no one is willing to step forward to meet Goliath's challenge. David has experience of God as faithful and steadfast and trusts that God is with him and his people. And it pains him to hear that God and his people are being spoken about in this way. And practically, he's also seeing that this is a perfect way to avoid a full-scale battle. If Goliath loses, the outnumbered Israelite army will not be massacred. Second, David sees the situation through his responsibility as a shepherd protecting his sheep and maybe even a little bit in this new thing of, okay, I'm going to be their king someday. Lions and bears would come and try to kill the sheep. And David learned to put himself between them and the predator. He learned how to fight the bear and the lion and survive, even though he was without armor and smaller than them. And he had to understand his limits as well as the limits and weaknesses of the predators. With Goliath, where people saw 10 feet of power, David saw a lack of agility. And where everyone saw impenetrable armor on Goliath, David saw an incredible weight, 125 pounds of bronze slowing him down. Goliath depended on his armor to terrify, but it was also his weakness. He also saw that the Philistines put their trust in Goliath and Goliath's armor and not in their own God. So if Goliath were to fall, the army would flee, which is exactly what happens. Finally, and third, David sees the situation through the lens of his strengths. Years of tending sheep and protecting them from death David is practiced in different ways of battle, the slingshot, speed, agility, and strategy. And there's this perfect pivotal moment when King Saul agrees to let this young man go out against Goliath. Actually, King Saul should have been one to do it. It reveals Saul's own lack of experience and imagination, also his timidity, but he tries to make David into a soldier. He tries to make David into something he isn't. And we hear this from scripture. Saul put on the battle tunic on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and dressed him in armor. He put on his sword over his clothes and David tried to walk. And he said, I can't walk in these things. Isn't that wonderful about scripture? There's just something so human. I can't walk in these things. I've never had any practice doing this. So he took the things off. David knew the armor was not him and would prevent him from using the skills that he had cultivated and practiced as a shepherd. So first, in facing Goliath, David gives glory to God. He trusts that God had his back by giving him years of experience of being a shepherd, protecting sheep. He trusts his speed and his aim with the slingshot. And David finds the weakness of Goliath, maybe the only patch of skin amidst all of that armor, his forehead. And 
all David has to do is knock Goliath off his feet long enough to deliver the killing blow. And, and the kind of the, the, the final piece of this is that he uses Goliath's own sword against him. I can imagine King Saul and all the Israelites and the Philistines are watching this and their collective mouths drop to the ground. It's like, what just happened? So what is our word of hope for today when we face our own Goliath? Be outfitted with experience. First, outfit yourself with trust in God. Make a list of all the ways that God has walked with you in difficult times in the past. And this can be tough because we hear in our Corinthians lesson, uh, Paul had it hard. There was pain and suffering. God doesn't promise us freedom from pain or death, but God does promise to be with us as we walk through them. And while there are many experiences I wished I never had, and I don't believe God wanted them for me either, I do know that God can and has redeemed them when I bring that pain and that heartbreak to him. God can use them to build wisdom for future situations if I let him. Second, wear the clothes of your responsibility. David looked at the situation as a shepherd, and in this case, his people were facing certain death. And he now knew he was going to be king, so he had a sense even then that Goliath was his responsibility to face. So he drew on all of his experience being a shepherd. So what is the responsibility God has given to you what is the situation you've been called into day after day that might give you unique insight and experience in facing the Goliath that stands before you? And finally, outfit yourself with the strength of experience. Some of us, we focus on our weaknesses or what we fail at, but rather take stock of the strengths you already have, not the ones you want to get, but the strengths you already have. Be willing to say no, like David did, when others' tools and approaches aren't going to work. Of course, sometimes advice and guidance is great, but sometimes we need to see how God has already prepared us uniquely to walk into this situation. I'm going to close with the story, partly because the one thing about the David and Goliath story that's in all of our stories, I mean, Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker and you name it, it's written in so many different of our stories is they all involve violence. And so I was trying to find some story that would capture something similar, but has the message of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Pastor Christian probably thought God was asleep in the boat as a storm raged around him, and he and his people had a Goliath that was so entrenched that nothing seemed to dislodge its power. Pastor Christian was not a soldier. He believed in peace and nonviolence, and all he had was a church and a vision that one day his people would be reunited, and he trusted that the God of peace could bring this about. So he knew and did what he only him knew how to do in this situation. He pastored people, the sheep God had entrusted him. He read scripture and he prayed for peace quietly 
And maybe he sensed even then that this simple act could be the fall of the Goliath in his life. He started to invite people to his church on Monday evenings, and they did two things. Every Monday, they read the Beatitudes from the Gospels, and they prayed for peace. That's it. They read the Beatitudes, and they prayed for peace. Every Monday, first Christians came, and then others from different faiths or no faiths, but all were committed to peace. And they did this for years, every Monday. And something odd started to happen. The numbers started to grow. More and more and more. And this is what he writes about that time. When we open the church to everyone who has been forced to be kept silent or has been slandered or even imprisoned, then no one can ever think of the church again as being simply a kind of religious museum or a temple for art aesthetics. On the contrary, Jesus is then really present in the church because we are trying to do what he did and what he wants us to do today. This is the hour of the birth of the Nikolai church, open for everyone, open for protest groups and living on the margin of society. Throw open the church doors. The open wings of the church door are like the wide open arms of Jesus. Come unto me, everyone who is troubled and burdened, and I will relieve you. And Pastor Christian said, and they came. Nine years passed, and the numbers of Monday prayers had grown to 2,000. And they planned to have a candlelit walk through the streets of the city. And when they left the church building, those 2,000 was joined by 80,000 with candles walking silently and praying through the streets of the city of Leipzig, East Germany led by Pastor Christian of St. Nikolai Church. And one month later, the Berlin Wall fell. A Goliath that had divided a country, an entire continent for decades. Many historians, Christian and non-Christian, look at the work of Pastor Christian, very little known work, and the faithful Monday prayers for peace as the seed that brought down the Berlin Wall without bloodshed. It's personal for me. My father has pieces of the wall in a glass box that sits on our coffee table at the house. And I lived in Germany as a child. I know what the wall meant living there. And I also lived there when the wall fell. And it captures a real world example of a David and Goliath story yet without violence. So what is the Goliath you are facing? It might seem big like the Berlin Wall and an entire system of injustice, but you have one small seed of prayer and faith to plant. Bring to God all your experiences and see how they, God might use them in a situation like this. Reflect on what you've learned from the responsibilities God has already given you. How might you be like David and his slingshot? Unique practice that you can bring into the situation with your particular Goliath. And finally, just trust the strength of your strengths and say no to what doesn't fit. Figure out how God has fitted you uniquely with what you need to face 
this Goliath in your life. Let us be outfitted with experience and with God's help face the Goliaths in our life. Amen.